0: Let's say you steal my credit card and buy $250,000 worth of derby caps and woolen scarves or something like that.
1: Yes, if I stole your credit card, I would definitely buy $250,000 worth of derby caps and scarves, no doubt. Of of course you would, but that's not my point. Let's say that
0: when I found out that you had purchased $250,000 worth of derby caps and woolen scarves on my credit card, uh, when I confront you about it, if you, if you were to reply like, oh no, you caught me, my bad, and then you immediately venmo me $250,000 like you just had $250,000 sitting in your bank account, if you did that, then I am absolutely going to have to believe that you stole way more than $250,000 from me because how the hell else would you have $250,000 just sitting in your bank account because the 250,000 that you stole from me, you already blew that on derby caps and woolen scarves. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where our criminals do commit identity theft, but generally don't do it by cutting off your face and wearing it over their face. I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist caleb uh before we get into it i'd love to read a listener email real quick if you don't mind i don't mind at all nice uh this one comes from a listener named ichi ichi says hey i love the show been listening for six months i've learned a lot about an interesting industry and the banter between you two is the best part of the show hey thanks ichi we also enjoy the banter shut the fuck up caleb if you like Oh My Fraud, uh, please take a minute to send us a delightful email like Ichi's, or even better yet, write us a review, and who knows, we might read your email or your review on the show.
1: Yeah, and uh, also, remember, we are uh, we are available for speaking engagements, uh, either separate or as a team. So we can speak on fraud or ethics, even do a live podcast at your training event or conference.
0: So true, and it's so much fun. I just recently did a fraud presentation for the Accounting and Financial Women's Association, a delightful group uh, who had uh, their Women Who Count conference in Reno. So much fun, such a good time. And really, I'd have to say, just you know, as an unbiased, uh, objective person, their conference is much much better because of my my <laughs> participation in it, but it was they loved it and it was a great presentation. I'm not. Great. It's it's just hard to it's hard to uh, to to give yourself uh, positive affirmations like that out loud in front of a
1: bunch of people. But I thought it, it was it was kick ass and it was so much fun. Awesome, that's great, Greg. We're all very happy for you. If you want more information uh, on on what Greg and I could do for you at one of these. Engagements, send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe dot So Caleb, yes, changing subjects
0: completely. Do you have any stories? of teachers gone wild Uh, it doesn't it doesn't have to be from when you were in school uh, and it doesn't have to be about a a teacher having sex with a student or like a a Walter White style chemistry teacher turned drug dealer kind of thing but if you do have (laughs) any uh, stories of that I please you got to drop them right now
1: Uh, I don't have any stories like that I'm sorry to say Um, I do yeah I mean um, I do remember, uh, one of my teachers chewing tobacco in class. Oh uh, yeah. And this is a great, th- th- this was a great school teacher, mind you. Uh, he also kind of shamelessly picked his nose and discarded it in <laughs> interesting ways. And okay. so as, <laughs> okay. as grade school kids, we, we got quite a kick out of that. Um, yeah, but he was older and tenured, you know, so he definitely did not give a shit what we thought. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Chewing tobacco and picking his nose. You know, he's yeah, he was way beyond carrying by that point. So wait,
0: did he did he have just like a like an old like 7 Eleven big gulp cup that he'd no, nothing into? like
1: that. As far as I could tell, as far as we knew, he just swallowed it. And so uh, but ooh. you could but like if you went up to talk to him, you could see the the grains in his lower lip a little bit. Like he okay. didn't put in yeah. big dips. But he would yeah. have he would have small dips and he could conceal it gotcha. know, rather easily. You know those old guys yeah. and they've been chewing forever. Like they just they just they just right. do it. You know, right? Um, and in
0: Nebraska, you probably can't you probably can't graduate high school if you can't
1: demonstrate proficiency <laughs> in chaw. <laughs> Indeed, you know what though it's it's funny because I loved him as a teacher. He was funny, yeah, and um, he he kept us in line. Like he was kind of tough on us. But uh, he, he was, he was funny and I just remember liking him a lot and he wasn't a creep with the girls or, you know, or the boys for that matter. So like, good, good. you know, it was just one of those things. So does that yeah. kind of qualify? I don't know if that.
0: I, yeah. It's, I mean, I think so. It was at okay. least a, a bad example. Like somebody, so some, a good teacher <laughs> setting a bad example. Oh, sure. Could, yeah. 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 Like you say so, in
1: Nebraska, it was, you know, people yeah, are like, yeah. the, there, there were definitely parents who were like. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? Right. I, um, it's funny because that that makes me think. And again, I wouldn't say this is so
0: much a teacher's gone wild kind of situation. My my pre-algebra teacher again loved him to death, but or no, no pre-calcul- sorry, pre-calculus. Sorry, pre teacher. Um, I had him right after lunch, mm-hmm. and it, it was clear that all he did during lunch was drink coffee and smoke cigarettes because <laughs> oh, you yeah? could smell his his oh. cigarette and coffee breath from like feet away, like he. <sighs> he if he just Damn. spoke in your direction, you're like, I think I'm I think I'm I think that's secondhand smoke cancer I just
1: got from, right. from your breath. Yeah. What about you, Greg? You got any you got any you got any teachers gone wild stories? Oh I oh I oh yes I do. Oh uh, nice. And I, I'm gonna say Do they involve you? My, my question is do they involve you, Greg? No. Since you no. are, well, you're a teacher. They
0: they don't directly involve me, but uh but my my best teacher- I, I I well no, I think they're. Th- these are both probably of equal quality. Uh, but when I was in high school, I was I was on the swim team. Yeah. Uh, four four year letterman, not to brag. Well done. Uh, yeah. Well, sort of. We just had a crappy team. So, yeah. If, if, is that how you if, got
1: those if, boulder if, shoulders, Greg? Is that? Is that? <laughs> oh my gosh! This, no, I, I just listen.
0: I was a completely different person in high school than I am now but <laughs> I see. Uh, but but we had a swim my my freshman and sophomore year we had the swim coach really cool guy uh did a, he was a he was a great coach too he ended up getting fired. Uh, kind of out of the blue because he had a part like a beer party at his house and a couple of the swimmers like the seniors on the team Uh-oh. just like showed up at his place while he was having this party and he just didn't he didn't like shoo them away and uh, so i don't i mean I, you got to assume that they came in and he probably it probably had to do with you know serving alcohol to underage for sure people stuff like yep. that but but this, the official story we had was just they they, came, they showed up at his party and he didn't tell him to get the hell out. And so that was enough to to get him canned for yeah. the job. Right. So. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Interesting. Yep. So it's All right. easier. Okay.
0: Caleb, completely yes. new topic. Okay. Total left turn from where, where we were just talking about. Absolutely. If someone made a movie about your life, what actor would you want them to hire to play caleb newquist oh. in caleb newquist's biopic
1: okay this is kind of fun um how like how close does the likeness have to be yeah. okay yeah. Well, okay so whatever. there's, a, there's just, a spectrum just answer the just answer the damn question okay well i would say if it needs it like okay i will i will preface this if the likeness has to be very close then i would say anthony Rapp would have to play me probably and i'd totally be fine with that because i i i like anthony Rapp quite a lot do you know who he is
0: I have no idea who okay so the
1: so so the musical theater nerds out there are yelling at you right now Anthony rap Anthony rap was uh, he he was he um, he played Roger in the original production of rent and and he but he's also the the Star Trek nerds are also yelling at you but he is now he's now best known for being in Star Trek Discovery and I do not okay. remember his character's name, but that's the most recent thing that he's in. But he's uh, he's okay. mostly uh, he's mostly known in the theater world. Okay, okay, yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, well, it's Samuel L. Jackson all day long. Oh, fine I, choice. If
0: if if <laughs> uh, I would settle for Chris Hemsworth, um, because I figure if you give him some glasses, shave his head, and make him wear like a really heavy coat, yeah. then I think he and I would look indistinguishable. Of course, but. My first choice, unquestionably, Samuel L. Jackson, and the reason why this is impertinent at all to today's episode is because today's fraud takes place in a public school district in New York, and it's such an amazing story that they even made a feature-length movie about it, but unfortunately, that movie didn't star Samuel L. Jackson. So, Caleb, for better or for worse, public schools are funded in part through property taxes and much less through Powerball tickets, as we're all led to believe. Uh, here, Here's a really, really oversimplified explanation of public school funding. Okay. Uh, about 10% of public school funding comes from the federal government. The rest comes from state and local tax revenue the state and federal funding is allocated more or less evenly i think that the the state and federal government do try to funnel a little bit more funds to underprivileged schools yep. but really by and large it is it is just a, how many students do you have here's here's how much money your
1: school gets yep. so uh, which is why also- which is why like uh vouchers are so Controversial, yeah. right? Because right. if you live in a place that has vouchers, well, essentially school choice, like we, yeah. we have open enrollment where we live. And mm-hmm. so, um, and, and yeah, it, it's a disadvantage to some schools because if everybody from, if, if everybody's, uh, in, in a, that is close to a school is choosing into other schools, yeah, then the district they're leaving gets less money. And that's, yep. I think you're going to talk about this a little bit, but that's, but that's the idea, right? yeah that well that's that's part of it okay but what we do see and and i think
0: everybody knows this is that in public education even though the federal and and state funding is largely dispersed evenly and even if that's dispersed through vouchers you still have schools that have very very different levels of funding uh, school to school, and sometimes it's even different within the same district. And those disparities, the differences that we see there, are a result of of differences in property tax revenue, ah, okay. is what we see. And so, uh, so, so, and here, I mean, like I said, it does make a big difference, even sometimes within school districts Because back when I was a teacher, I taught at the poor school uh, mm-hmm. on the poor end of town. And we had an objectively shittier school than the rich middle school that was on the rich side of town. And again, all that has to do is with property taxes. That's all that I can tell because we did not have the same quality of homes around my middle school as they had up by the uh, the uppity uh, <laughs> middle school. Right. And uh, and and here's the thing that makes it weird because this way of funding schools, like the the housing the 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 property tax side of funding can create like this vortex of weirdness because if follow me through with this. So let's say you've got a school that that doesn't have as much funding as another school. Well, we know that funding is, is a driver for academic outcomes. So you have less funding, you're going to get worse outcomes. And then because like, you know, standardized test scores, those kinds of things, um, and because of, of those sorts of quality metrics, when people are shopping for homes, because you, you, you've you purchased a home, I'm sure your yep. realtor said, hey, this home is within the boundaries of these schools. Yes, And then you can check those schools out. So if you're in a, and, and I know I know for a fact that parents do, that's a very big deal to them is to see where their kid is gonna go to school if they pick this certain home. So if the school has crappy quality metrics, uh, people are probably not going to be as motivated to buy homes in within the boundaries of that school. Right. And then supply and demand, there's less demand for those homes. Therefore, the property values go down. And if property values are down, then they're not going to collect as much property tax revenue from those right. homes. And then those schools that were already poorly funded are even more poorly funded. And that leads to even more bad quality metrics and bad standardized test outcomes. Hence the four decks of weirdness where a bad school gets worse. And you can see the opposite happen too, where you have a great school, people wanna live there, that's driving up the home value, driving up the property tax revenue, giving more funding to that school district or to that school, that
1: sort of thing. Now let's switch our attention to a specific school system in New York, the Roslyn School District. Located on Long Island, it's about 27 miles outside Manhattan. A diploma from Roslyn High School, which is the district's only high school. Is that true? That's, yeah. That's wow, weird. Yeah,
0: okay. It's the only one high, school. one high school district. Okay. Seems pretty small to me.
1: Yeah, it means you've got a good chance of getting into an Ivy League school. 95% of Roslyn High School graduates go to college compared to 62% nationwide, and 25% of Roslyn High School graduates get into highly selective colleges like Harvard, Yale, or Brigham Young University and it says here woot woot go cougars and i don't am i supposed to say that greg sorry you, yeah yeah you're supposed to say it with like you mean it damn it <laughs> uh actually just kidding there's no mormons in new york anymore they all left in 1833. And they got uh, kicked out in 1833. they got kicked out in 1833. yeah yeah, yeah. they were yeah. they were asked to leave yeah yeah and it's, it's a good story so look that one it up. is anyway yep. The incredible success of the Roslyn School District was largely due to the leadership of the district's highly respected, maybe we would say, venerated superintendent, Frank Tassone, Okay, Frank yeah. was hired as the Roslyn superintendent in 1992, and just a few le- just a few years later was named the Man of the Year by the Rotary Club. Which I think is so interesting because a Rotary Club
0: is like a business, like it's it's all the the old business guys having lunch and and uh, and they drinking wear funny martinis. hats and stuff. Or do uh, they, no, would... I don't think the Rotary Club does. They don't have funny not, hats. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's not necessarily. You usually don't get a whole lot of representation from uh, government bodies in your Rotary clubs. All right. So the then. fact the fact that he was named Man of the Year by the Rotary Club. I th- I think that means he was a mover and shaker. He was out there, you know. He he was a man of the people. He right. was getting getting people to know who he was. He was influential beyond the boundaries of his school district.
1: Work in the community, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So Frank Tassone was adored by parents, teachers, and students alike. One of his assistant superintendents was quoted as saying, "Frank really was the master. I mean, this guy was loved. He walked on water." And I think that endorsement technically makes him the Lord and Savior of public education. Don't you, Craig? I
0: think I think I yeah. blasphemy, blasphemy be damned. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that did. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. All right. Another kind of fun fact about Frank, he was always dressed immaculately like a CEO of a Fortune five hundred company. And his uh C V included a master's degree in languages and literature and he also had another master's degree in educational administration and a doctorate in educational administration and most people with that much higher education are not public school superintendents they're usually neurosurgeons or something else <laughs> quite fancy and right. i have to say i'm going off script here a little bit but a superintendent is kind of a fancy job i have to say like superintendents yeah. are are generally they it's not positions of power per se but they do have a lot of influence, and they do have a lot of. I, there is kind of a political nature to it sometimes. Like, they're not. Yeah. Are they always appointed, or they're? It, it, you have to. It's. It's not an appointed position, is it, or does it depend? Mm-hmm not not well it depends on what you mean by appointed it's in the
0: districts that i worked in yep it was it, it was it was an um, the the superintendent was still just an employee yeah you just got hired of the district a, yeah but but i think i believe you were hired by the school board and the school board is a voted uh is a body that's voted on right so that makes uh, sense so at that point you go really what's the difference being hired or being appointed it's pretty much the same thing so so yeah but but it also is the, within public education there's not a higher position that you can get in a school district than i mean superintendent you're the pres, you're you're the you're the ceo of the school district yep superintendent is the boss because of dr Tassone, Roslyn was one of the 10 best school districts in the country based on their test scores. And in 2002, Roslyn high school was ranked as the sixth best public high school in America by the wall street journal. And Caleb, just to put that in perspective, there are over 23,000 high schools in the United States of America. Damn. And they got number six. So, uh, pulling some impressive numbers there. Yeah. Frank, not bad, not bad uh frank tassone also introduced foreign language classes to the elementary schools which makes me think back to your kids being in elementary school are there is your daughter in kindergarten getting any foreign language exposure
1: uh a little bit yeah yeah she comes home with a little bit of spanish here and there but i don't think they actually don't do spanish club like she's not eligible to do spanish club until i think second or third grade okay because i and and the weird thing is cuz we're talking i mean
0: again he started in 1992 yeah these are the 90s and, yeah yeah this is the and, and early 2000s and th- that's back when i mean again i was i was still teaching back i was teaching in the early 2000s too and it, that was just when you would start hearing here and there of some schools you know, some, some high schools having languages other than French and Spanish right. as your only two choices right. for a foreign language. Um, and then, you know, and then it's become more, you know, sexier in the school. Uh, school districts if you have you know if you're you're able to teach mandarin to your fifth graders that kind of stuff but frank frank was on the front end of introducing stuff like that he also introduced a values education curriculum at the high school there were free condoms in a jar in the (laughs) Roslyn high health room which i have to think would be so awkward if you needed one of those condoms yeah what's the what's the approach there how do you how do you uh how do you either you're coming How do you, how off how do you a, take
1: advantage of that without being, you know, completely mortified? Right, right. Uh, another
0: thing Frank Tassone did, this was part of his values-based education, he also introduced a community service requirement for graduation hey. from Roslyn High School. Um, which again has to feed into the has to feed into the college admissions thing because colleges love people who do community service. So again, I think this is, this all, I mean, it looked good for the high school, but it also helped them keep their numbers where they wanted them uh, to be. Frank uh, didn't work alone. He had a right hand woman named Pam Gluckin. Uh, (laughs) I, I don't know why saying the name Pam Gluckin brings me joy. She started as a treasurer for the Roslyn School District in 1990, which was a couple years before Frank Tassone was hired. And Frank gave her a series of promotions all the way up to assistant superintendent for business. So basically, Pam Gluckin was the CFO of the Roslyn School District. She did everything from overseeing the district's 70 million dollar budget to approving trips for conferences to deciding who got credit cards uh, she, uh, apparently she was charming she had fantastic interpersonal skills and she worked her ass off one parent was quoted as saying we loved her at our meetings if you didn't understand something she would explain it 10 times over if she had to
1: In 2002, while performing a routine audit of the Roslyn School District books, about $10,000 of transactions were flagged as needing additional scrutiny. Even the accountant, Andrew Miller, the district's outside auditor, the guy who found these suspicious transactions, admitted that $10,000 was immaterial in light of the district's huge $70 million budget. But regardless, he started digging into it. Right. Which you, you did. I, I've never done audit work.
0: Yeah, how do you feel about that? I mean, I because because I, I guess I go two ways. Go, yeah, ten thousand dollars with a seventy million dollar budget, you just go, okay, who cares? But right. I also the other thing that comes to mind is the whole thing that in accounting, there is no materiality threshold for fraud. If you correct. suspect fraud, it doesn't matter how small it is; you got to go after it.
1: You're correct. Um, I, I we I don't think we have the the specifics. Of this and why he took the action that he did, but something tells me that he must have suspected something untoward because you're right, the materiality is, uh, it's, it's, it's not there, you know, 10k you on, just, yeah, okay. on 70 gotcha. million is, is, is not close, but, but you're right, the, the quantitative nature or the quantitative aspect of it is. I don't want to say it's not irrelevant. I guess it is irrelevant if you suspect fraud. Then you, it, right. It's irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but again, I think for a school district, I also, I also don't know. Like standards for auditing, like governments and school districts and things like that, are slightly different right. than um, that's true. Than uh, like a private company. That's um, true. So yeah. good point. That that could be a factor as well uh, because it's taxpayer money. There might be some different yeah. rules around that. Yeah, but there somewhere is someone listening who's who knows this stuff better than us can probably tell us. Yeah, but yeah, yeah Fra- fraud, fraud, abuse
0: waste. You fraud, abuse and waste. Fraud abuse and waste—that's the drum that's that they beat a lot in the uh, in the governmental accounting world. So yeah, right, that would make sense too. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah. What's strange is that shortly after that, while he was digging around, a guy from Home Depot reached out to the district. Apparently, he noticed that lots and lots of building materials were being purchased at his store on a Roslyn School District credit card, which in and of itself was a little weird. Schools generally don't need huge amounts of construction material, but what made it even weirder was that his Home Depot store was about 50 miles away and the items weren't being delivered to any Roslyn School District school. Now, yeah, f- 50 miles, I mean, again, that's like,
0: twi- that's like going from Roslyn to Manhattan and then going that same distance past Manhattan to get to a home Depot to,
1: when you think about the population density of long Island and you think about all the homes that are out there yeah. and just all the neighborhoods and all the school districts there might be. Yeah. 50 miles is a long, there, there's gotta away. be tons of home depots. <laughs> yes. Way closer than way closer. I mean, I got,
0: yeah. let's see. I'm, I'm where I live is nowhere near as densely populated as that is. And I've got two home depots that are each less than 10 miles from my house yeah yeah easily one of them way less than 10 miles right now never never mind the
1: lows (laughs) (laughs) lows okay now with this new home depot information andrew miller and his team dug even deeper into the district's accounts payable records and found that pam and her family had used Roslyn School District credit cards to pay for almost a quarter million dollars oh. of personal expenses. <laughs> everything. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> everything from gas to food to building supplies from Home Depot. Oh, and that address where the Home Depot orders were being delivered, that was Pam's son's house. So Andrew Miller, the accountant,
0: presented the information about ham embezzling two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to frank and frank circled the wagons including the school board and other administrators and he tried his hardest to defuse the situation uh here's a quote from new york magazine about what was going on it says tassone made a moving eloquent argument for compassion and leniency the culprit Pam Gluckin had tearfully confessed, he said, her marriage was falling apart, she was ill, she'd been desperate, and if the board didn't press charges, she'd agree to quietly resign, give up her administrator's license, and give back the money right away he also made sure that they knew that if they didn't deal with this quietly it would affect their college admission rate because you know harvard they've never had anyone associated with their school that has been part of a financial scandal uh and also if uh, college admission rate went down their property values would go down which would affect their funding he also speculated that school board members you know the school board members in this meeting would have a hard time getting reelected if the voters knew that something like this had happened on their watch So after receiving legal counsel that the board was not required by law to press charges, the board demanded Pam's resignation. They demanded that she forfeited her administrator's license, and they demanded that she repay all $250,000. Here's a quote from Newsday that says, she was gone the next day. Her departure was so abrupt and mysterious that people began to ask questions. Pamela Gluckin, the district said, left for personal and medical reasons. Some PTAs even sent her flowers, wishing her a quick recovery. And, Caleb, here's what's crazy. Pam did pay back the $250,000. And, I mean, for someone who just got fired from their $160,000 a year job, handing over $250,000 that you'd already spent at Home Depot, super easy. No sweat. Nothing more to see here.
1: So everything was cool. The public relations shit show was averted. Everyone lived happily ever after until February, 2004, when an anonymous letter was sent to a bunch of people, including local politicians, accusing Pam of stealing a whole lot more than $250,000. And that Frank with Pam's help also stole a bunch of money. One of the letters was even accidentally delivered to Frank, which gave him a chance to get ahead of it. Now, let me just stop here to say who is the fucking dum-dum who sent the letter to frank to sell <laughs> right i th- i think
0: it was uh, what was it i think it was one of those things where uh i i did read the story about that my understanding is that the letter was sent and the return address yeah was the school was was oh. the school district and one of them was undeliverable. And so it got returned to the school district. And that's how Frank got his hands on it. So it, was, oh, it wasn't so much that uh, they sent one to him going, Oh, you know who really needs to
1: see this? The guy that we're accusing. Of <laughs> yeah. This right. Money. But it was just like, Oops. Oh, no. Yeah. It got to him. So Frank called everyone to a meeting everyone from the custodial staff to the administrators to the PTA. Frank said the letter was bullshit. And he put the whole thing back on Pam. That someone had found out what she had done, they were pissed, and they wanted their pound of flesh. Frank, the consummate educator, even pointed out misspellings in the letter as a way to discredit it. You know, the same way you figure out that an email didn't come from the Toyota warranty department, but from Russian hackers.
0: Right. I I, I just imagine the letter, like, with a bunch of things circled in red. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, yeah. like sentence being diagrammed. Going well, really. You how how seriously we're we supposed to take this person if with this dangling participle? I, <laughs> That's I, right. I don't. How with could this, they? Who splits their infinitives? No, I mean ridiculous, unbelievable. Not how somebody can, who graduated from our high school. Yeah.
1: Can't take this seriously. They can't be within the boundaries of our school district. An interesting twist in the story is that somehow the letter also found its way to both of the co-editors at the Roslyn High School newspaper, The Hilltop Beacon. After reading the letter, Rebecca Rombaum, one of the school paper's co-editors, decided she should go to the upcoming school board meeting. She also decided to go because that's what cool kids do, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. At the school board meeting, she heard the school board president read a statement about Pam's $250,000 embezzlement and was like, That sounds like a great article for the school newspaper. So she wrote it and published it, making her the first journalist and making the Hilltop Beacon the first news outlet to cover the story. Which is pretty freaking cool. That is cool. Very cool. And if you watch the movie, Bad Education, which we have not mentioned up to this point, nope. this is HBO's dramatization of the Roslyn School District scandal. Their portrayal of the school newspaper's involvement and impact on the scandal was the second biggest departure from the real story. Uh, the biggest departure was casting Hugh Jackman as Frank Tassone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so true.
1: Yeah. The real Frank Tassone does not look like Wolverine. Okay. No. No, he does decidedly does not so in real life rachel rambam didn't do in-depth investigative journalism like pouring through old invoices or visiting the physical addresses of suspicious suspicious vendors she just wrote an article that basically said that pam gluckin resigned because she was caught stealing but she didn't explicitly say it was pam gluckin because apparently she wasn't allowed to
0: Shortly after the anonymous letter, the district attorney launched an investigation and Frank cooperated fully. He brought back Andrew Miller, the same accountant who had discovered the initial missing $250,000. And this time, Miller found not just weird credit card shenanigans, he also found invoices from phony companies that had been approved and paid by Pam, which brought the total missing money up to $1 million. Uh oh. And the cap, yeah and the cat was out of the bag the people in the town were furious with the school board and here's another quote from Newsday Uh, the target of the town's fury was the school board letting Pam resign rather than pressing charges was seen as collusive conspiratorial and even Faustian which is a testament to how good the public schools were in Roslyn because apparently everyone in the community knew the meaning of the word Faustian (laughs) and frank listen frank was pissed and felt deeply betrayed by pam and everybody felt enraged and betrayed right along with him and so at this point he wasn't just the leader of the Roslyn school district he was now also the leader of an angry mob
1: but the probe into the district's finances changed all that when even more disturbing information surfaced like The district paying the rent for Frank's Upper East Side apartment, the district paying for Frank's Mercedes, the district paying for jewelry and skin treatments for Frank, and also paying for over $33,000 of his dry cleaning. Yikes. (laughs) Understandably, the town's wrath turned to Frank. Frank. When he was confronted about these payments, Frank said, "Look in my contract. It covers all reasonable expenses." Which I think is fantastic. It's <laughs> hilarious. Is, I, how am I
0: supposed to how am I supposed to do my job if I don't have a car to get from my Manhattan uh, apartment to uh, twenty seven miles out here to to Long Island? How am I supposed to how am I supposed to function if I can't get a good night's sleep? I need an apartment to be able to to rest in these are all reasonable
1: expenses (laughs) they also found a company called word power that the Roslyn school district had paid about eight hundred thousand dollars over 12 years and the business address for word power was frank's home address and the person who owned and operated word power was frank's decades-long life partner Stephen signorelli the school board relieved frank of his duties on june 4th 2004
0: Frank and Pam were both promptly arrested along with Pam's niece, Deborah Regano, who worked under Pam in the district's business office. The office of the New York State Comptroller initiated an exhaustive, no stone left unturned investigation, which definitively showed that Pam had stolen over $4.6 million, that Frank had stolen $2.4 million, and that Deborah had stolen $334,000. The the Comptroller's report, which, uh, Caleb, did you have a chance to look at that report? I didn't it it was it was so it was so comprehensive it was impossible to read it was like <laughs> they got they got they got into minutia that just like you were like i really don't care about how deep this just give me only the real
1: accountants can handle that greg
0: (laughs) right and apparently i'm not one of them but that comptroller's report also showed that steven signorelli received almost nine hundred thousand dollars of ill-gotten gains so he also got arrested he also got indicted damn and all in all that comptroller's report traced misappropriated funds to 29 different individuals But what's weird is only these four were prosecuted. And an even weirder thing is that the report shows a line item that shows $1.5 million of money was missing but was, quote, not traceable to an individual, which in my mind means it absolutely went to either Frank or Pam, right? Don't you? Like where else? It's got to be. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it's got to be it's that, a very strange way to describe that right like trace it to to what like a an entity i don't know like i, th- I think they just were like here's a bunch of money that we
0: know was fishy but we don't know where it landed hmm. i think i think it was it was mostly like here's the bounds of what we can definitively say based on our forensic audit we can definitively say this money's gone but yep. we can't definitively say where it went where it so it went, went to pam and frank that's what i'm saying that's my fab that that's my that's me connecting dots gotcha that these that that these forensic accountants were too too scared to do gotcha that's
1: makes sense but
0: Another interesting thing, yes. When we think when we think about all that, when we think about the 1.5 million that was not traceable to an individual, when we think of the other 25 people who were implicated, but apparently the district attorney didn't have the resources to go after all of them, or maybe didn't have a strong enough case they felt to well, take it smaller, to
1: court. They were probably smaller players, right? They they they
0: were there was one actually the one of them was shown to, to have taken more money than Deborah had. There was oh. Deborah was actually uh, the the fifth largest person uh, in terms of just money that was traced to them. So there was somebody else that they didn't think they had. Yeah, as uh, but then yeah, it went it went down pretty precipitously after after Deborah Regano. Then we're but but still we're talking you know there's people who had over a hundred thousand dollars that and mm. many that had in the you know dozens of thousands of dollars that was traceable to them so it was it was a pretty extensive list and it wasn't i mean again if you're talking about on an individual level didn't seem like an immaterial amount of money that went to any of these people that didn't get prosecuted but what's really weird is they found 11.2 million total that was missing but about 3 million of that was basically just written off by the legal system either uh, as untraceable to people or just people were not going to prosecute so that's damn. that's a huge chunk that's about you know that's close to 25% of the money yep. that was missing that like i said was just basically written off and here's a here's another great quote from newsday at the sentencing hearing, a school board trustee said, You stole taxpayer money that was earmarked for the education of our children. It's hard to imagine a more heinous crime. Um, it's actually really easy. <laughs> to imagine a more heinous crime this this is just me spitballing here but let's go with frank murdering students uh eating their flesh and keeping their bones in the crawl space under his office that's just right off the top of my (laughs) dome caleb and and way more heinous seems heinous Uh, yeah way (laughs) more heinous
1: on an order of magnitude more heinous
0: yeah i'd say clear objectively more heinous uh and 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 i'm also saying maybe uh schools aren't as great as everybody thought because it seems like their school board trustees maybe don't know the meaning of the word heinous faustian yes heinous
1: (laughs) (laughs) nope if it's if you say heinous i need blood yeah yeah it's got to make that's, it's. It, there, there has to. It has to make you feel like, oh, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter must have right, made right. an appearance. That's
0: that's another chant that would happen at school board meetings. They'd go. When Hannibal. I say heinous, you say blood. Heinous,
1: blood, <laughs> blood. <laughs> you know it. You know the cheer. I do. I do. <laughs> now, Greg, this story has an interesting epilogue. In March 2004, the district submitted claims to three of its insurance companies. The district had policies with each of these companies that covered things like employee theft. The total coverage was something like $28 million. Knowing insurance companies, I'm sure Roslyn would have had to fight tooth and nail to get the insurance companies to pay out on the policies, but here's what really happened. All three companies denied the district's claims on the grounds that the district failed to notify them promptly as required by the terms of the various policies. Damn. Yeah. Damn. By letting Pam go quietly for the initial $250,000 back in 2002, the district forfeited its right to collect any insurance proceeds on the policies that they had in place to protect themselves from these kinds of losses. That's Oof. Savage. And they say insurance companies are faceless. I, yeah. <laughs> right. And they
0: say, you're in good hands with Allstate. Allstate. But, yeah. I, <laughs> these guys, cl- clearly their, their uh, employee theft loss was not underwritten by Allstate. Right. That's what I've got to believe. Right.
1: Here's another weird thing. Even after Pam was arrested and convicted, she still continued to receive a 50, $55,000 annual pension from the Roslyn School District. And to her credit... By 2011, she had reportedly paid back about half of the 4.6 million that she had stolen. That's 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 impressive. Not bad. I
0: kind I, I kind of but I, but I gotta think. I mean, again, they don't really break that down. And part of me wonders how much of that was assets that they had yeah, confiscated sold. from her yeah. as well. Yeah, maybe because apparently she had a, like a couple of homes, like like mm-hmm. a, her primary residence, like a beach house in the Hamptons or something yep. like that. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So, but but still. I think that kind of restitution being found is is pretty uh, is nice to hear.
1: It's a good outcome.
0: Yeah, for in the a district, bad situation, for a district that can't get their insurance policies to pay out on their employee theft, no That's kidding. pretty good.
1: Even more interesting, Frank had a golden parachute in his employment contract, so he collects over one hundred seventy thousand dollars every year from the Roslyn School District, <laughs> and he will continue to receive it for the rest of his life. But also, and this is crazy, Frank has repaid the entire $2.4 million that he stole. Never mind that to date he has received over $3 million in payments from the district since his sentencing. But still, you know, good for him. And maybe, maybe that's why the fraud gods let Hugh Jackman play him in the movie. All right, Greg, did we learn anything? Y-
0: yeah, I it, it, there's a, there's a few things that I that I really want to highlight from this case. The first one, Caleb, it has to go back to the the whole uh, insurance thing. Yep, the snafu that the district had with the insurance. One of the things that we don't talk about enough on the podcast is because we talk a lot about how there's organizations that are so small that they can't have proper internal controls. Now, I would not say that the Roslyn School District qualifies as one of those. I think it was big enough to have proper internal controls, but either they didn't use it or PAM just regularly overrode the the internal controls. So either they weren't there, there was a material weakness in those internal controls. But one of the things that you can do if your entity whether it's a governmental entity or whether it's a private entity it, if you don't have enough uh, bodies there to really have those effective internal controls you really do need to have a robust insurance policy yep. to cover employee theft yep. and then and then if you have it make sure you follow it <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. don't invalidate it by being an idiot right. like these guys here but again it was invalidated because Frank saw that if if things got too nasty with it if Pam wasn't let go quietly he would be taken down with her so obviously there was there was that motivation that was there as well so that's one of the things that came to mind in in this another one is is just uh, it comes to the the rationalization side of fraud yeah and one of the common rationalizations for fraudsters is, is to look at how much more people are getting at other companies or people who have other jobs. So so like for instance, this was this is a quote I found uh from the Frank was quoted as saying this where he said, "Look, the CEO of IBM, they're making zillions and we're here making $200,000." And that right there is the that's the seeds for fraud. Right. Because first off, $200,000 ba- back I mean cuz this all exploded in 2004,
1: not a bad not a bad salary. Just yeah,
0: I mean, say. again, we're talking, we're talking Long Island. So not the cheapest place to live, right? But still, I did what I did look up a uh, median household income for New York state in 2015 and the median household income was $56,000. But okay. like we said before, Frank had two master's degrees right. and a PhD. Yes. And he lived, so he's probably going, oh, you know, kind of like we were joking. People who went to school that long were neurosurgeons. Yeah. And neurosurgeons are making more than $200,000 a year. For sure. Plus, the dude had an apartment in Manhattan. And yep. I'll tell you, if there's ever a place to go, I mean, one of the best places to go, if you just really want to feel poor. Is is go to yeah. some place like Manhattan yeah. and look at how people how some people are living there. So if he's if he's constantly being, you know, in front of a parade of people who who to him, they're like, This guy's got an easier job. This guy hasn't gotten as much education, yep. but they're making so much more money than me. Then all of a sudden that's when you start going, Oh, you know what? My reasonable expenses are thirty-three thousand dollars worth of dry cleaning. <laughs> right. My reasonable expenses is a luxury apartment and a mercedes so yeah i think i think that's that's a very interesting aspect of this of the rationalization side of things yep Uh, i also thought it was it was interesting maybe even cool how frank got everyone to collude with him (laughs) yeah uh just just to make this go away because because everyone's motivation was like aligned for this to for for everybody to basically pretend like this never happened right because he he got pam to agree to resign and return the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars because pam probably knew that she had stolen way more than two fifty thousand dollars right so if she's like if he's like going, listen get out of here with just having to repay the two hundred fifty thousand dollars the rest of it just shut the fuck up about that yeah and and everybody's fine but then obviously, so that that makes her want to resign quietly. She's not going to want to throw Frank under the bus because of that. But then he got the school board to agree with the deal to let Pam go quietly because uh, because it, it would hard, be hard for them to get reelected. Like we said, if, if something like this happened on their watch, he got the auditor to help because the auditor knew that he fucked up because that what did this guy the andrew miller guy he came back three different times to re to to, to look into the books more closely yeah. and every time found more i'm surprised that he that he was brought back as many times as he was that was a that was a weird part of the story um and and it was it was probably uh, artistic license in the in that uh, bad education movie, the HBO movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. But even in that, it showed a scene where the student editor of the school newspaper didn't want to run the article because it made Doctor Tassone look bad, and he was like going, "But Doctor Tassone is writing my letter of recommendation to get into Yale or something like that." Right. So even even from the newspaper, they're like, "I could the." we need to run the story on the one hand, but on the other hand, this could have bad consequences for me. So it's just bizarre how everybody that this scandal touched was, was really had some sort of benefit yep. to having it just not, not come to light, yeah. which was, which, which, which again, Caleb, we've ta- we've kind of hinted at this before, because we still don't know if it's, if we're at a point yet when I can tell the full story of the the fraud that happened at my company, right? But it was a very similar thing where nobody wanted it to come out because everybody, everybody was afraid that the stakeholders would want their heads if it was found out that a fraud of the magnitude that happened at my business. If the other owners found out about that, the ones who weren't the managing members are on the board, that sort of thing. So yeah. it's a it's a very real and very interesting kind of interpersonal and psychological dynamic that happens with a lot of frauds.
1: Yeah. This is kind of a, I, I don't know how many people have listening have seen the movie, but one thing that's important to remember is um, Hollywood always writes its own story. So if you're, if you're, if you're watching uh bad education, even though it's a true story, it, it's just kind of a rare thing for uh a movie or a show based on a true story to follow it to the letter so like right. you mentioned a couple things that you know that like the 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 in in the movie they make it seem like the school paper like blew the story open and in real life it really didn't happen didn't quite happen that way you know right. like you say she and, wrote and one likely, article and pam yeah. wasn't even mentioned in the article at all right. so and likely it all would have
0: come to light too. It was just right that the school paper mostly beat everybody else to the punch.
1: Right. Yeah, it was the first to write about it, but like yeah. it was, it was kind of unraveling on its own. Exactly. And um, I read one interview uh, with Tason after he was out of jail, uh, where okay. he said he thought that the movie, he saw the movie, and he thought it was like forty to fifty percent accurate. And I think he's maybe lowballing a bit, but he's also not wrong. Like the Hugh Jackman character. You know, in the movie, has an affair with a, a former student, and Tassone said that he never, ever did that or would have done that. And I guess I'm inclined to believe that. You know, I mean, yeah. even though he stole millions of dollars, that doesn't mean, <laughs> right? He's going to sleep with a former student. You know, right. Um, right? Which brings me to another point, Greg, that I want to discuss with you, which is, um, do you uh, think that Frank and Pam? were good people who did a bad thing or were they just bad people who did a bad thing
0: that I'd see. And I hate, especially after doing this podcast for as long as we have, I hate that kind of question yeah, because, because, because I, I guess my, my knee jerk reaction is go bad people. They're just bad people. Yep. But then, but then I go, mm, maybe they're just normal people who made bad decisions, Yep. which I think is a different thing. And then there's also part of me that goes, oh, because listen, Caleb, I've been reading a lot of books that have been uh, featured on Oprah. And so <laughs> uh, because of that, I'd like to think that everyone, no matter who they are, is worthy of love and human connection. Yeah. And that they're not bad people. They're good people that
1: made bad choices. Yeah.
0: So so, so i I don't know how to answer
1: your question, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think your response is the right one then because i i, oh, I definitely okay. have mixed feelings about it too, where you know, I read you know again you you even even the movie, again, the movie puts Pam and Frank in a slightly sympathetic light yeah. um and you when you, you know you read, like I said, I read that interview with Frank DeSone and he says that the end of the movie is—he's like the end of the movie is spot on because he's because it if and, and look the movie is a few years old so sorry spoiling but at the end of the movie there Frank has this um, kind of fantasy he's in jail and he has this fantasy where he walks into Roslyn oh. and they're the number one public school in right in 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 the country and he's standing on yeah. stage and he's he's kind of like the people, the the crowd is cheering and, and like, and then it ends. Right. And he said, yeah, I threw that all away. And so like, right. you, you, and I don't know, maybe I've, maybe I'm, uh, yeah, maybe I'm just too soft or whatever, but like it just seems to me that like people that decide to work in public education, like these two people, th- that kind of attitude or, or commitment to public service, like, There is something in that that is inherently good, in my opinion. And so that's where I kind of that's why I kind of lean into what you said, which is these are just normal people that made bad decisions, got caught up in it. And and it just and it just blew up their lives. And that's kind of how I see it. I don't see them. I don't. And again, maybe I just I just the world's just not that black and white to me. And so I just and there's I guarantee there's people listening who's like, fuck that they're fucking they should still be in jail like you know and it's like right no no i just i just don't yeah. like you said we've been doing maybe right. we've been doing this podcast for too long now but it's just like it's hard for me you know kelly richmond pope like everybody's capable everybody's capable of it right whatever everybody like, is and yeah. so that's i yeah. guess that's that's just where i'm at so anyway yeah i i was actually i i'm 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 not impressed not surprised i am Greg, Greg, you've kind of you've kind of come toward me on this a little bit more than I thought you would have. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we're just closer to the well, same place than we used to be. I think
0: no, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I think is underscored by this case that we've seen so many times, Pam was great at her job. Yeah, right. Well, to some too, uh, Frank. Other, other than too. other than the stealing. Yeah, right. She was great at her <laughs> right, job. Right. And same with same with Frank. I mean he the I mean it's clear that this guy was passionate yes. that he wanted the best for his students yes. he wanted the, he, he was driven to make this school district the best school district and his high school the yep. best high school in the country and and he did he did so much to make that happen, and it sounds like he really was one of those public educators that made a difference in the lives of these students, in the lives of the families who were in his his district. So I mean, the guy did a lot of good, but then you also have to go. But he stole <laughs>
1: stole millions of dollars, millions, millions of right. dollars, right? And I think so. it, you know, you going back to the to the um, uh, the rationalization bit about. You know, he's talking about CEOs making millions of dollars. And there are all kinds of people out there who like flashy shit. Okay. Yeah. The vast majority of them do not still steal millions of dollars. Right. 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 And the other thing is, is like, because this is America, there is always going to be someone who has flashier shit than you do. So, (laughs) yeah. So, oh, it is. it's, It's one of those things where like I, I don't want to talk about temptation because temptation is not technically part of the fraud triangle, but like in terms of like the coveting that goes yeah. on. Yeah. And yeah. that's what, and Nathan Muller talked about that with us where yeah. he's just like, he's he like did. I want nice shit. You know, like I liked money, yeah. you know, and yep. I, I have to believe in, you know, it, it, at least it sounds like in, in this case is, yeah, I mean that, that was a factor. It was, it was a significant factor and yeah so it it's i don't know again it's i think it's normal people having normal feelings being in perfectly normal situations but then making a colossally bad decision
0: right right exactly all right that's it for this episode remember a heinous crime is one where a faustian bargain is made by an erstwhile erudite piece of shit
1: And also remember, if you're a judge and you send someone to prison, but then Hugh Jackman plays them in a movie, justice has not been served.
0: If you want to drop us a line, send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe.com. And Caleb, where can people find you out there if they want to?
1: you can try to find me on x the the last tweet i think i actually you know what i did tweet the other day do they call them tweets anymore i don't even know what they call them they call them x's now they call them x's oh wow no they don't i don't think they still call Way to go elon you dumb what a dummy but i don't know give me on linkedin i guess whatever Jeez. yeah yeah i'd
0: say (laughs) at this point if you want to get a hold of me uh just send me an email greg at Gregkite.com. that's that, why are we beating around the bush? Yeah, just, if you want to get a hold of me, just, just,
1: yeah, cnewquist at gmail.com. Oh, My Fraud is written by me and Greg Kite, our producer, is Zach Frank. If you like the show, rate, review, uh, share it with a friend, because that's how people find the show. Really, anything you can do to get the word out about our show is greatly please appreciated. Please do that. Isn't that appreciated? Yeah. It's definitely appreciated. So, so much. Yeah. Deeply appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, if you're an accountant and you need CPE i believe this sh- i believe this episode will come out with just a few days left in the year so listen Snatch on it up listen on the earmark app and you can get some cpe if you're coming down to the wire are you coming down to the wire yep. greg you're not coming down. nope to the i got another year Dude, I got another year be like greg people be like greg <laughs> join us next time for more avarice swindlers and scams from stories that will make you say oh my fraud oh my fraud